to the Hiking My Feelings Virtual Campfire. My name is Sydney Williams. I'm your host. This is Virtual Campfire number 46, and we have an awesome show for you guys tonight. First up, we have Ashley from Love Everywhere. But before we get into that, a quick update about the Take a Hike Diabetes campaign. So we have 9,135 miles tracked. 9,135. We hit 9,000 miles. We only have 991,000 miles left to go to get to a million, psyched. And we have 117 participants signed up. Thank you so much to everybody who has joined us already. And we have raised $9,820. Thank you. Big thanks to our sponsors, UST. We met John last week. They are donating a tent every month. It's a six person tent. It's called the house party because it's literally the size of a house. <laughs> and we also have a free pair of shoes from Solomon. Thank you to the Solomon team for donating a pair of X Ultra 4 GTX shoes. They're Gore-Tex. They're waterproof. They're lovely. I'm obsessed with them. And I'm wearing them this weekend to our retreat on Catalina Island, which we will talk about more later in the show. And thank you again to Ross Chocolates for bringing all of the sugar-free goodness to our world. Um, a portion of every chocolate bar that they sell goes to diabetes research. And if you shop at their website, rosschocolates.ca, and you use the code HIKEMYFEELINGS, HIKE, not hiking, HIKEMYFEELINGS, you can save 10% on a chocolate and 50% of your purchase gets uh, sent back to us here at Hiking My Feelings. So thank you, Ross, for all of your support, Solomon and UST. And as we get going here, a couple other updates. We have just wrapped up our second class of Blaze Your Own Trail to Self-Love. So for all of the trailblazers who were with us for this uh, January 2021 class, thank you so much for being a part of this. We are absolutely stoked um, to have spent this first part of this new year with you. And it's been a beauty, uh, beauty. It's been a beautiful experience to watch you grow and learn and show up for each other and show up for this organization. So um, thank you, don't be a stranger and we love you, Frace. And this week, we also are offering an extra free month of the Summit Circle, which is our membership program. So if you are unfamiliar, the Summit Circle is our awesome membership program that we use to keep everybody together feeling connected and awesome before, during, and after our programming. So we have a a couple different tiers that you can sign up for. The lowest membership is $11 a month, and with that, you have access to the VIP section for the virtual campfires. What does that mean? That means you get to join us on Zoom live while we record and broadcast to YouTube for the podcast recording. And you get to participate in the pre-show and post-show chat, sound check with our guests and musical guests when we have musicians joining us. We also have some special prizes and discounts periodically that we offer from our partners and sponsors. And you get to be here while we do stuff and participate in Q&A and have an awesome time. So um, in addition to that, we also host weekly meetings. So Barry, my partner in crime, Adventure Buddy for Life, every week on Mondays at 5.30 p.m. Pacific, he hosts a meeting for the community for hiking and plan or hiking and backpacking planning and safety. So if you are curious about how to get started hiking, if you're a veteran hiker and you're working on a big trip, um, getting ready to go do some awesome backpacking around the country and you want a little bit of help planning that or you just want to have a community of people to see what everybody's doing um, week to week, come and join us. And we've talked about uh, 
all kinds of cool stuff. Barry's going to share a little bit about what he's been up to, Professor Barry, on Mondays since we started this in February. And we also have another tier, which is our Redwood plan, and that's $33 a month. We offer the same perks that you get in the Manzanita plan for 11 bucks a month, so VIP uh, campfire access and access to different summit circle meetings like Barry's meeting. We also have um, community space for people who are sober and sober curious. We have Queer Out Here, which is a uh, healing and safe space for folks that are LGBTQIA+, that is hosted by our friend Josh. And we also have a um, community called the Global Majority Hour, which is hosted by our Director of Social Responsibility, Gabaccio. And at the $33 level, you get all of that fun stuff. Plus we do a monthly workshop specifically for the Summit Circle members that are in the Redwood and the annual plan, which is the Sequoia plan. And we also do our Blaze Your Own Trail to Self Love as a monthly workshop now as well. So at the $33 membership level, you get access to those workshops for free. So it's a pretty cool way to refresh if you've already been through the program, or if you're not really into jumping in feet first into the deep end and doing a 12 week intensive, we offer our program on a one workshop per month kind of schedule as well. And then of course the annual membership is the Sequoia plan that's $333 per year. If you sign up before the end of this month, before April 1st, you will get an extra month for free and you also get the let your light shine care package. So you get all access to all the programming, all the discounts, all the cool stuff. And we send you a aromatherapy candle, a holographic sticker, a glow in the dark hat, a glow in the dark water bottle and a trail journal. So if you haven't signed up already, come join us over at the summit circle, hikingmyfeelings.org slash summit. So before I said, we get to meet Ashley. And I want to talk a little bit about how I got introduced to Ashley because Cassie, who went through our program last summer and is now a facilitator for Blaze Your Own Trail to Self-Love, Ashley is one of her BFFs. And she has been talking about Ashley like since I met her about how great this person is, how bright and bubbly and shiny and wonderful she is, how inspiring she is. And I had the chance to have all of those things validated when we did one of our um, retreats at Joshua Tree National Park last year. So Cassie and Ashley came out from Nashville to Joshua Tree, and we got to hike around the desert and heal and meditate and journal and do all kinds of fun stuff, s'mores around the fire. Um, and we also stayed in one of the weirdest hotel rooms I've ever seen in my life, or while well, I showered there, they stayed there. Um, but Ashley, a little bit about Ashley, she is um, the brains and love child, love child, no, she's the brains and her love child, <laughs> Jesus, eh, whatever. Uh, she is from Love Everywhere, and we're going to talk a little bit about that. So graduating from art school with a BA in fashion design, Ashley took her degree to New York City, where she began a vibrant career in the fashion industry. Feeling a lack of purpose in the big business of mall brand fashion design, Ashley began leaving herself and others handwritten encouragement notes to stay inspired and uplifted. Before she knew it, friends were joining her in her mission to spread joy, and Love Everywhere was born. Based out of Nashville, Ashley spends her time raising her two kiddos, laughing at her rambunctious rescue dog, and cultivating a community of kind hearts and good vibes through this simple act of sharing words the same way friends share coffee, graciously, sincerely, and with love. So Ashley, come on down. The price is right. Time for me to finger wag. Yay! Yes, fantastic. So you are in Nashville and you alerted me before we got here um, 
or before we went live that there is some serious weather happening up in Nashville. What is going on up there? Yeah, we have serious weather a lot this time of year. And a year ago, there was some terrible tornadoes. So my kids are like scarred from that. But um, yeah, so apparently the universe wants this to happen because everything just chilled as soon as we started to make this thing live. So here we are and things are good. <laughs> Yay. Fantastic. And for the folks that are listening, you don't have the privilege of seeing, but there's a fluffy critter in the bottom corner of your screen. Who is this cutie that you got going on with you? Lily. She's my <laughs> rescue dog and she makes cameos in all videos and conferences. So <laughs> here she is. Hello. Yeah. Oh my she's gosh. She's the fluffy. wild, but, um, she has a magic collar that helps her to behave. So Yay. (laughs) She's so fluffy. Well, I got to tell you, I was thinking about, um, the other day. So I was, there's this great hike that we, um, do, or I, well, yeah, we do it, but we're leaving. So I will say we did it, um, that we would do as much as possible where we park the van and we walk down from the ranch where we park the van over to this place called Eagle Peak. And they have these two coffee cans and there's like a small one. And then there's like this Ziploc bag full of notebooks where like people write notes when they get to the top of the mountain and another coffee can on top of it. And I was looking, I was flipping through some of these notebooks. They're like little, like, um, like journalist notebooks. And some of these notes are from like 2008. And it's just like this archive of people that have like managed to find this place. Cause the trail's not very well marked. Um, most of the people that go to that trailhead are going to go see the waterfalls. They don't even know that this, um, trail ex- or that this summit exists. And I was thinking like all the notebooks were full. And so like, I put my sticker on the last full page and then I was like, okay, next time I come back, I'm going to bring one of my trail journals. And then I was in the shower before we went live today. And I was like, you know, what would be really cool is if we had share love everywhere cards that we could do and like leave at summits. And like these really just like inspiring messages for hikers that have like found their way to the top. That's like this mashup between love everywhere and hiking my feelings. So I love this. Right. (laughs) Okay. Done. I'll follow up with you later. (laughs) Make it happen. Yeah. So I was just so inspired by, I mean, one, everything that Cassie said, it's all good stuff and it's all true. So like, I just absolutely love your light and your energy. And I'd love to hear a little bit about you before love everywhere was a thing. Like what was your life like before you started writing love notes to you and your friends? Oh, that's, that was a really dark time. Um, I was working mall brand corporate life as a designer. And, um, I lived in New York for a while, worked in New York city. I liked that a lot. There was some family illness, some terminal illness, two people in my family had, um, stage four cancer at the same time back in Ohio. And, um, I was kind of, I didn't know at the time, but I was having like panic attacks. It's funny how, like when you get introduced to how your body handles those kinds of like traumatic feelings and you don't realize like, Oh, this is a panic attack until like many years later, sometimes. Yeah. It's (laughs) you're like, Oh, that's, that's not normal. Like I legit, I would wake up and I was like, Oh, maybe it's the coffee. Maybe it just makes my heart race. I was like, I mean, it probably contributes to my panic attacks, but I was having them like all the time. I was like, is this, am I having a heart attack? Like what is happening? Yeah. It's weird too, because you just kind of go through life thinking, Oh, this is how everyone feels. This is what normal feels like. And it's totally not what normal feels like, but Um, Yeah, so I was having a hard time being away from my family, um, knowing that so many were struggling with illness. And um, 
we decided to move from New York back to Columbus, Ohio, which was my hometown and surprisingly like the Mecca for a lot of mall brands. So um, it was not hard to find a job there. Once I decided to move back, it was like, okay, this, this works. I have a job. It was freelance and it was with the promise of salary, but six years later, I was still freelance with the promise of salary and I was working crazy hours. We were traveling a lot and I just, I just didn't have a life. I didn't have any friends outside of work. I was just not happy. And the building that I worked in, it was, um, a massive building with like underground tunnels that connected all the other brands. It was just very vast and it was black and there were no windows and it just felt like I was walking into like some kind of Star Wars Death Star type of a situation and it just felt like the life draining out of me every time I would have to go to work and so that's when I started kind of these post-it notes on my mirror as I'd get ready for the day and that translated into they're all over my computer at work and that translated to I'm going to leave them in the ladies restroom I'm going to leave them in the magazines in the lobby. And that's kind of how it started and slowly um, invited some girlfriends. I um, I'm not, I can't say I'm a religious person, but at the time I was, and I think I'm a recovering religious person at this point, like maybe more spiritual is the right term. But at that time I was in like a women's Bible study and those girls were great and, um, many of them are like lifelong friends, but they kind of came alongside me to help me like, oh, we should do this as like a service project and leave it like on people's car windshields or like at the grocery store or whatever. So that's kind of how Love Everywhere started. And um, as things happen, you know, we were in our early twenties and people started getting married and having babies. And then I moved to Nashville and um, it just kind of slowed down and finally everyone was just like, it's kind of your thing anyways, why don't you just take it and run with it and like we just will cheer you on as you go. So that's kind of how um, I was led to start an Instagram and I mean, love, love to hate it at this point, <laughs> like um, the algorithm, it's just like one of those things. But yeah, I think um, it's really helped us to be able to invite our community into what we're doing and, and connect with people on a more global scale. So our cards have been everywhere from the Great Wall of China to the Eiffel Tower. Um, most of the states, I can't think of one that we haven't been, maybe we haven't been in Idaho. Um, but Let's make it yeah. happen. Idaho, show up. Let's go. Right. Hello, Idaho. <laughs> Hit me up. Uh, but yeah, so there's there's just a lot of cool things that like these cards have been able to do in places that they've been that my feet have never seen. So um, I think we're almost at 28,000 cards. I usually hand stamp and number them all. I'm hoping to not do that anymore because it just takes so much time and like my wrist is kind of sore. But, um, <laughs> you know, other than that, I, I really do love it. And as I'm stamping them, it gives me like almost a meditation time that I can really think about the people that will find these cards and the things that others will write on them. And that sort of, um, feels like a mission, I guess. Um, it gives me more purpose. So, yeah. I really, I, 
I was going to ask about where they had been found and where people have seen these. And so explain to me the process. So it started with you writing notes and now people can go to share love everywhere, get like a pack of notes and leave them wherever they want or send them to people. Like how, what's the process like? Yeah. So, um, for a really long time, I was kind of not, I'm, I still don't think I'm much of a business person, but, um, you know, you give away 5,000 cards and you pay for people's shipping. Suddenly you're like, oh, my bank account needs some support too. So um, I decided that since I have this degree in fashion design and I was at that point a stay-at-home mom, um, that it would be wise to kind of offer the cards for sale. But I didn't feel like you could sell kindness. And I really wanted to keep that element as functional and practical as possible so keeping it free was like the main thing for me so we we like paired them with items that I designed and um we would sell them and then they would get a free card pack of cards with it but um people were still like no we just really want the cards only like can we buy like 50 cards from you and do it with our sorority or whatever so um it kind of just got to the point where I was being asked so much to to sell them that I was like, okay, so I've got packs of just cards now and surprise, surprise, it's our best selling item. <laughs> so yeah, I, I um, was reluctant to do that and to kind of own the like, oh, I'm a business lady, but like, I guess I am. <laughs> so is, do you do love everywhere full time or do you have uh, another job that you do as well? No, I don't do love everywhere full time. I, um, it was like my creative outlet for a really long time while I was a stay-at-home mom, but um, I guess it's been about 18 months ago, I asked my ex-husband now to move out, and that meant that I had to get a job because I was um, really in a space where I was kind of forced to be dependent upon him for finances. Um, not that I didn't want to work, but I wasn't really um, given permission to do that. So, um, once I kind of gathered the courage to say, I need you to leave because this is no longer healthy. Um, I had to also go and get a job. So for a while I was hosting a podcast, a sports podcast and writing blog content and stuff like that. That has since ended. And in December, I started a salary position, which is like the first time ever because I've always just been freelance. So, um, and it's like the best job ever. I love it so much. Tell um, me everything. I'm so excited for you. This is so awesome. great. Yeah, it's a media company. It's a startup. And um, we ma mainly work with like podcasts and YouTubers helping them monetize. So we can talk later maybe. Um, but helping them monetize and, and um, get their platforms to grow and things like that. So um, I'm kind of like, if we were a record label, I guess the best description of my job would be that I'm like the A&R person. So Ew, I'm really fun. Like go between, and it's been really fun. I'm doing lots of other crazy fun stuff too, but I cannot say how much I love this job. It's like the best. And the people I work with are so kind. And um, it just feels like, I don't know. You do something that's like totally terrifying, like telling your husband you want a divorce. And then like the universe continues to confirm that you've made the right choice for you. And, um, I couldn't be happier. So. Well, it sounds like, it sounds like the new gig is like really empowering and fulfilling. And I'm curious, is that 
overwhelming because it's your first salaried position and you're like, you're all the way in it? Or is that, is that energy from this new awesome job kind of carrying over into other areas of your life? I feel like it's carrying over. It's also just really flexible. And as a single mom now, like I need that. I get to work from home and the hours are like, I mean, we have certain times we have to be on calls and things, but like for the most part, they're just kind of like, you can do your thing and we trust that you're going to get it done. And that kind of just motivates me more to be like, I'm going to do more than you're asking me to, because nobody's on my case about it. So um, and they're like super supportive of love everywhere. They're trying to help me continue to develop that space as well. So it's a um, good fit. Dream gig, girl. Yeah. That's so exciting. I mean, I guess my mantra that I do in the morning is that I have my dream job. I have my dream job and I seriously do right now. So I love it so much. Well, and I think that's so you've mentioned the, like the divorce a couple of times, like when when, how do you recognize in your personal journey? Like when were you like, and now's the time to end this relationship? Because I feel like a lot of people, well, I know a lot of people that are just stuck and unhappy and like, they don't know which way's up and what is even possible. Because I think in, in the spirit of women's history month, there's so much pressure on women in particular to find a partner, settle down, build a family and like put everybody else's needs first. So there's a lot of like unlearning and conditioning that has to be worked through to even arrive at the place where you could advocate for yourself in that way. Like what were some of the signs and was there like a definitive moment where you were like, yeah, this is over. And now I'm going to ask you for this to be done. Yeah. So it's kind of entangled with some like family trauma from my parents, but, um, there was a, about six years ago, a season where I was really struggling. I was very depressed. I, um, after becoming a mom, and this was like nine years ago, I kind of was having these like weird flashbacks of being sexually abused by my grandfather. But I thought like, oh, I'm crazy. I'm postpartum. And like, we don't talk about this stuff in my family. So I'm just going to stuff that. And I'm not going to say anything to anyone because I do not want to be considered loony like that's just not what we do so I kind of kept it quiet and then um maybe I guess three years later my cousin called and she was like I have to tell you this and I've been working through it and as she's telling me her experience like everything in my being was just like shaking like I don't can't even explain it it's just that feeling of like adrenaline and like in my heart I was like that is true. And now I have work to do. Like it just started to like more things were popping up and I was having all these crazy memories. And, um, at the time my husband was out of town working. And so I called him to tell him like, I might need you to come home, but his parents were here. So they kind of like held it down. And I just like disappeared for a day and tried to like get myself together. But he, he came home from that and he was like, are you okay? And I was like, I don't know. And so, um, I had called my mother to ask her like, what is like, it's her dad. And, and I lived with my grandparents from like eight to 10 years old. So there was a lot of space for me to be, um, taken advantage of really. And, um, 
it's just kind of like one of those things that because my family never addressed these things and they always shoved problems under the rug, like we had a huge mountain under our carpets at home, like because no one right. would talk about these things. Um, but because of that, when I approached my mom with questions, it wasn't received at all how I had hoped it would be. And um, instead of like, I don't understand or I don't, I'm having a hard time, but I still support you. It was, um, I don't believe you. You're making this up because your dad was a piece of shit and you have a crush on your grandfather. And would you please take a lie detector test? And she was like screaming this at me. And I just, um, as she was saying it, I was like, I can't believe what I'm hearing. And I just started writing down what she was saying because I had been in such a place of like questioning and I don't know. My family's like really good at manipulating things and making like, I guess it's gaslighting, but like, I just was like, I need to know that like what I'm hearing, I actually heard. So I started writing it all down in this journal and like, I mean, you can't hear that kind of thing from your mom and, and like be okay. So obviously like at that point, that's when I started my therapy journey and, um, I got through all of that. It was, it was rocky, but by December of that year, I just couldn't get out of bed. Like I was so, um, I was just so hurt. I was just in so much pain and, and my husband wasn't, he wasn't there. Like he wasn't supportive. And I, I just remember at that point, like I was, I was still in charge of the household. I was making dinner. I was taking care of the kids after dinner, he would just like go to sleep on the couch or go back to his computer and say he was working, but he was actually looking at like sneakers. So I like was in this fog and one evening was like at the dishwasher, rinsing dishes, putting them in and like just stopped and like was staring blankly out the window. The water is running. I can hear the kids are like kind of being loud, but I like, it was like I was underwater and the next thing I know, he's clapping in my face. I want my wife back. And I was just like, oh, like he can't handle me having the problems. Like it, it's all around him and his problems. Like I was every evening after the kids went to bed, I was his life coach, his business coach. I talked to him through all of his problems. I was his personal assistant. I did everything. And there was no space for me. And, and at that moment, he's clapping in my face. I'm like, okay, so I, I probably have to get on some medication at this point because I have to be functional and he's not making space for me. And so um, with the help of my therapist, I got on Lexapro and I was on it for six months and it like changed my life because I was able to not only like function at home with my kids and like smile when I saw them, but I could also really just like, see what I needed to do for me. And at that time, I wasn't willing to say, oh, this marriage is broken because I still thought I'm just the broken one. And so once I get fixed, then like our marriage will be better. And so that took five years. And, and then I finally had the courage and the um, self-confidence, I guess, to actually bet on myself. 
Good Lord. I'm just like, I am so in this awe of you. you. <laughs> <laughs> no, but like, and it's not like, I'm just like, I, I, there's so much, there's so much to jump into. And like, when you were talking about your mom, so I don't know, I don't remember if I shared this, but like, when I told my father about my sexual assault for the first time, my sexual assault was with a colleague from work. Um, and I didn't tell anybody for 11 years. My husband was the first person I told um, after it happened. And then I went on this hike on Catalina Island and all the dots connected. And I was like, whoa. And then I was on a trip with my dad. We were in, on a cruise in Norway and on the flight from San Diego to Florida to catch the flight overseas, I wrote about my assault for the first time. Like I had just completely ignored it for over a decade and I wrote about it and my dad's also a writer and he's a photojournalist. And I was like, okay, like there's some weird funky stuff going on with me and my dad we just need to like redefine our relationship. Cause he's treating me like I'm his drunk 16 year old daughter. And I'm definitely not that girl anymore. And when I told him about it, I was like, first of all, we're both very passionate communicators. So none of us could get a word in edgewise. Like we all talk over each other. And I was like, I just need the floor for a minute. Like, just let me tell my story and tell you what's going on. And then we can go from there. And as soon as he could interrupt me, he did. And he was like, your story's bullshit. And you better come up with a new one because nobody's buying the one you're telling. And I was like, and I did the same thing. I texted my husband as soon as I got like out of his space, I texted my husband, everything that happened because like I could, I, when you were saying like, I was writing it down because I couldn't believe that I heard what I just heard. I was like, I have had that exact similar, well, not exact same, but like a similar situation where it's just like, did I hear that? Like, would somebody actually say that the person who brought me into this world, like these are the people that are supposed to love us and like nurture us and stuff like that. Like how, so we'll talk about your mom first. Like, how did that, like, do you guys still talk? Like, where are you, what's the relationship like today? No. So, um, after that conversation, I told her, don't call me again because, um, you know, you don't say that to someone. And I, I just like, even if you don't believe me, like you don't say that to me, like that's not a loving response. And what I need right now is like some loving responses. Like, so you're not my person. Don't call me again. And so by December, which is right before, like I went on medication, she, she called and she was like, well, the holidays are coming up. I'd like to see my grandkids. And so she was like, what do I have to do to do that? She's like, do you want me to come to a therapy session? And I said, sure, you can come to a session. You can come from Ohio to Nashville. You can pay for the session because I'm not paying for it. And, um, and I worked with my therapist to write up a statement of all of the things that had been coming up, even from childhood. Like I was six years old and I walked in on her having, um, I have to be careful, my kids are outside the door having intercourse with, um, a man who wasn't my father and nobody saw me. And so I just, I thought if I ever mentioned it, I would be in so much trouble. So I had been holding on to that. And I was very nervous to talk to her about that. It wasn't even the rest of it. It was that one moment. And I read this whole thing to her. I'm like crying, I'm shaking. And that was six minutes into our 90 minute session. And she literally was dead in the eyes. Like she had no, no response at all. And my therapist was like, okay, so she just read you like this huge thing. That was a really big deal for her. So do you have any response to that? And my mom, um, 
I don't know if y'all follow the Enneagram at all, but I think she's a very unhealthy Enneagram seven and I love sevens, but not when they're unhealthy. And, um, so she was like, she was like sitting like very straight and proper. And she was like, well, I don't know. I was a great mother. I was at all of her volleyball games. I cheered for her. I paid for all of the things that she needed. It was about her being a good mom. It wasn't about like the experience that I had. And I'm looking at the clock. I'm like, we have 85 minutes left. And we're going to go nowhere. And so I just shut down and I kind of sunk into the couch and just kind of was like trying to survive this moment. And my poor therapist is like trying to navigate this whole thing. And at the end, she's like, well, what do you, what do you guys want from each other moving forward? How would this relationship, um, how would you like it to look? And my mom's like, I'll go first. Like, I want us to laugh and eat popcorn and just have fun like we used to. She's wanting a best friend is what she's wanting. I said, I want to be seen. I want to be heard. I want to be supported. I want to be unconditionally loved. And that's how we ended it. And so I had a follow-up session. And at that point, my therapist was just kind of like, I think you're going to have to just decide that she wants a superficial relationship with you. And if you want her in your life, that's what you're going to have to give her. And so for two years, I tried to give her that. And when we would go back to visit, I would do whatever it was that she wanted to do. But she would always make like passive aggressive comments. And it turned into me just like breaking out into hives and sobbing every time I knew I had to see her. And it got really unhealthy for me to play that role. And so I had to eventually tell her like, I need to take a step back for my own mental health. And, um, and that at that point, her third husband saw that I had sent that message because she wasn't talking to me face to face about real things. And she wasn't talking to me over the phone or FaceTime about real things. So I had to send it as a text message. And then he intercepted the text message and didn't let her see it. He deleted it and then texted me two weeks later after I sent it to say, I deleted that you like shame on you for sending that. And so I had a whole like spin out about that. I called my therapist. She's like, well, you can send it as an email and as a Facebook message and then just be done. Cause like at that point you've done everything you can. Cause like there was a space for her to say like, I want to work on this. I, I would like for you to give me another chance. I'm sorry, but I do want a relationship with you. But instead he took that opportunity from her when he deleted the message. So when I sent it again, probably 20 minutes after I sent it, her husband texted me again and said, I just, I just heard that you had texted your mom again, shame on you. We didn't ask for any of this. This is all on you. And like, that was the last that I heard from anyone um, like my mom or him. And then like the following February, my grandfather, her, her dad passed away and um, I found out about it from my aunt and uncle who I'm still very close with. And, um, and my mom had a fake family there at the funeral, a family of four, I guess, or, or six, um, their kids and this couple who are longtime family friends, but she had them on the front row, introducing them as her kids and grandkids to people who know me. So that's the last bit of like any information that I've had on my mom. I, I think it's probably best that I don't have a relationship with her. I don't know if she'll ever um, try therapy for herself or get the healing that she probably needs because it seems like she might have some of her own issues. But 
Um, I can't really say what those would be or what kind of therapies you might need, but um, I, I just don't think I'll ever be open to having that kind of toxic personality in my life at any level. And I'm, I'm quite happy that my kids aren't around it, but it, it is sad for them because like they don't know their grandma. And she yeah. doesn't know how cool they are is the thing. So, right. Yeah. And I think, and that's the thing too, that, that really strikes me. Like I haven't spoken with my, uh, dad, sister or mother, um, since I established the boundary in 2018, there was a point of contact at the end of 2019, after I got a passive aggressive Amazon review on my book, um, which if you've grown up with narcissists, then, you know, like you can read between the lines. Um, but if you have it, then you're like, wow, your dad's such a gem. I'm like, yeah, actually he's not. Um, but man, I just, I think for, so a question that I have for anybody that's listening, that is feeling these like breaking out in hives, feeling anxious about going to visit family, um, especially because like, I think that there's, there's a lot of conversations happening right now with regards to the pandemic about the separation and how, oh my gosh, like I haven't seen my, my parents in so long, or I haven't seen my sister in so long or whatever it is. Like if you live on opposite sides of the country and there's this like longing, but what about the people where they're like, oh, thank God. Like I haven't had to see these relatives because we can't travel as things start to open up and people are faced with like an opportunity to maybe establish a boundary because they've had this distance and it's been safe for them. What would you say to folks that are maybe not quite ready to re-engage? Because I feel like there might be a lot of people that are like, you know, what's been awesome not being around my toxic family members. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, yes. Um, do what's best for you. I think there's no more perfect example of people trying to escape their toxic family right now than probably Harry and Megan. Um, yes. <laughs> I think that the thing about it is it might be best to decide what you want out of the relationship and how you can maybe get that from other people if you can't get it from those people in your life. But if it's not, um, it's not, if it's not something that's causing you actual physical manifestations of anxiety and it's something you feel like you can manage, I, I, I think you should salvage any family relationship that you can, but not to your own detriment. So put yourself first in whatever way that you can. And sometimes that means having a conversation, like saying I'm having, I'm taking a step back. Sometimes it, it might not mean that that person is even entitled to your reasoning. Um, I don't speak to my dad either. And he yeah. doesn't get to know that reason because it's there. We've always had a really rough relationship ever since he and my mom divorced, probably even before that. Um, so like, he doesn't even know me. So like, there's no reason for me to say like, I could see that you've been trying to reach me, but you really should stop. Like it would just cause me more work. And I don't feel like that's the type of emotional investment that I need to be making right now. He, it's not going to change who he is. So, yeah, I, uh, I, I recently, I signed up for better help last month and I'm loving it. Like I, all the work that I've done, any kind of any healing that I've done has been like reading books, journaling, listening to music. Like I've never actually been in therapy before and man, what a treat it is. I love it. And so I was just like, I was speaking with my therapist about that recently and um last week and she was like you know what if you were wavering at all 
in your decision that you made to establish this boundary, you know, like I guide you through that, but your conviction as to why you did and what you said, even if you're wondering if like what you said was said appropriately, I know that you're confident in what you did. Um, and I was just like, I'm, I'm sorry. What? Like, cause in my head, since I established this boundary, I was like, am I an evil person? Because like, I sugarcoat everything. I work, I used to work in PR and marketing. I'm that good at it because I've been doing PR and marketing for my family for my entire life by only focusing on the good things and completely sweeping bad things under the rug. And in the world of trauma, like it's not a competition and I don't have as many bad family things under my rug. It's not a mountain, but the ones that are there are terrible and that's enough for me. But I think like, for me, the, the phrase that just rocked my world, she's like, you've been cleaning your room and some people don't get to come in it. And I was like, that's fun. Cause that's a good child metaphor, yeah. <laughs> but also like I've been tidying up my space and my space is yeah. awesome. Like not everybody gets to come in this house. Yeah, it's true. And, and I think that's the main thing is like, and that's similar to a phrase that my therapist has often said to me, um, as long as your side of the street is clean, you're fine. Don't let people throw garbage on your side of the street. That's not your job to, to deal with their garbage. So yeah, I, I agree. You keep your room clean and some people are just too dirty to enter that space. <laughs> so another thing that I know is uh, a passion point of sorts for you or, or a thing that you're really leaning into is making time for yourself when you're a mother. Um, and as a single mother, I imagine that's probably a very important thing and also difficult to do. I don't have kids. I don't want them. That's not my life path, but I do have some incredible children in my life that I absolutely adore. Um, but they're just not mine. So how, like, what has that journey been like for you? And what, what does, what does that look like for you today? Sure. Um, well, as I kind of already mentioned, like while I was married, I was really doing all of the parenting. Um, so I didn't get a break. I didn't take time off. I didn't get me time at that point. I had to, it was kind of one of those things where like, I had to weigh the options. Like, is it worth me going out with my girlfriend until 10 o'clock at night to have drinks at this cool cocktail bar that I've never been to. Cause I don't get out after dark in Nashville or like come home to a house that's completely destroyed. I'm talking every toy out, couch cushions off, um, 10 PM kids eating goldfish, watching, uh, SpongeBob probably. And, uh, husband on his computer while chaos is happening around him. Sorry. They weren't tired yet is the, ex the response. And so I would have, you know, it's 10 o'clock. I'm like, okay, now I've got overstimulated children who I've got to settle down and get to bed and then also clean up this whole mess. And it just wasn't worth it to have me time. It just wasn't worth it. So I will say that in, um, in co-parenting as divorced people, he's so much more helpful um, as, a, as a dad. He has to have them on his weekends and that's my me time now. Like I, I get that, that space um, it's like built in for me and I take a lot of advantage of it. I mean, I don't do anything fun. I'm pretty boring. Um, <laughs> but I get like, I do my work and I get journaling time and I get to take long walks and, um, and I really love that. I really love that time. It's very precious. So, um, yeah, I think <laughs> it's as sad as it is. Like 
um, having been able to be divorced has really opened up a whole new world of freedom for me in a lot of ways. I think it's, it's a beautiful thing when we can make space for anything. Like I was talking with a friend that I hadn't spoken with in a while this morning. And he was talking about the end of a recent relationship. And he was like, you know, I just, I had to kind of just jump before, because it was like a housing situation. He's like, I had to say I'm leaving without having anything else lined up. And then in the process of doing that, cause he had to give notice to one of the roommates, he was like, and when I went and told her, like, I'm moving out in 30 days, she was like, oh, cool. Here's three places. I have friends that are looking for a subletter or, you know, they're, they're looking for a roommate or whatever. And it's just like, I think there's a really interesting, and I, I talk about this in some of our programs, um, like the difference between emptiness and spaciousness. And I think when we let go of something, it can feel if we're so used to being so full and it sounds like your days were just full. Of, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, but when we're so, when we're so full and we don't, <clears throat> we don't make space when we let go of something, it can feel like we can feel empty when we let go of these things, but really what we're doing is creating space that we can then expand into or usher new things in. Um, and it sounds like that's exactly what's happened with regards to the divorce and your you time, but also the ability to have an excellent career, like, and a job that fulfills you and care and like spills over into all these other areas of your life. It sounds like this, that divorce, which on paper sounds like the worst thing that could ever happen to anybody might've been one of the best things that's ever happened. It's absolutely the best thing that I could have ever done for myself. I feel like an actual person again. And that's like, not something that I thought was possible for me. So yeah, it feels great. (laughs) (laughs) I really like it. Yeah. So, um, our theme for this month, and this is our last show in March, um, our theme is collaboration versus competition with regards to women, um, and how we can all work together and how we can support each other. Cause I grew up and I was a guy's girl. I was a cheerleader. So you would think I, I, I like spending time with other gals, but I did not. Um, girls were scary to me. I was not a feminine one. Um, so I didn't like, I, I was more sporty, but I wore cheerleading uniforms. So like, it was really weird, but like, I couldn't ever figure it out, but I was a, I was the cool girl. Like I, that was the the movie trope that I wanted to be was the cool girl. And so I never, it was never a competition thing for me, but I was always just scared of women um, until I was on the women's rowing team at the university of Kansas. And I was like, Oh, I, 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 I have to, I have to literally move in sync with these people or somebody gets injured. And so that was kind of my entrance into understanding just the depth of what it means to be in community with like really powerful, passionate people. Um, so when you hear collaboration versus competition, like what does that bring up for you? Wow. Um, growing up, my great mom advice that she gave me was, um, girls are jealous of you and you cannot trust them. That was what I got. And so up until college, I had friends that were girls, um, but I didn't trust anyone. I didn't, I was never fully myself. And so um, I think even through my marriage, like I really was only friends with my husband and that was it. Or like if we had a couple friends, but I didn't, 
lean on anyone. I didn't um, try to really collaborate with other women. I was maybe not afraid, but just like, didn't want to put myself in a position to be harmed the way that my mom thought that I would be. But what I, what I learned is that the person that was warning me is the one that I should have been worried about. So, um, through my divorce process and, um, the last few years of my marriage, I met some really amazing women and, um, Cassie's one of them. Um, I have another friend, Kristen and another friend, Emily, and they used to live in Nashville and they've since moved away. But like, um, those are the girls that really helped me to find myself again. And then, um, a friend in Ohio, Candace had really kind of like give, gave me that motherly support that I was lacking throughout this whole process. And what I found is that like women are so badass and I think that people don't want us to get along because we can fucking change the world. And I think that's kind of why that whole like mean girl stigma exists even is because like, if you pit people against each other, regardless of their gender, then they're not going to want to work together, but it's really beautiful when we do. And, and yeah, so I guess what I've learned is that what my mom told me was not true and that it's, better to work with women than it is to work with men probably <laughs> i yeah and as a sweeping generalization i agree <laughs> like, <laughs> i have found that to be true and i think but i think it's but what you said is exactly right and and the easiest way to control anybody is with fear and so if you f- instill a fear of anything of being hurt because the girls are jealous and they're going to be mean to you or whatever or for or even, and then that gets into like body stuff. Like my mom didn't say anything about girls being jealous, but the first thing that I remember her telling me was I better watch what I eat or else I'll end up like her. And my mom's been overweight since she had babies and stopped smoking cigarettes. So it's one of those. So I had this like fear of being fat as if being fat was the worst thing that I could possibly be. And I think we all know by now, there are a lot of worse things that you can be than fat. Like that is not a bad, like, it's just, it was so ingrained and I was so terrified of it. And then when I was fat, I was like, well, mom was right. And it's like, if that's, if the fear is what's keeping us from taking action or asking for the help we need or anything, like whether it's about our bodies or about spending time with each other, like the comparison stuff doesn't help anyone. And I think you're exactly right. Like it's a, it's a method of control and it's one of the ways that they keep us small and when we dare to break out of that, watch out, like, look, look at T Swift, like, you know, like, <laughs> girls slay it. Like, <laughs> also just like for the record, like, it doesn't matter how beautiful you are on the outside. Like if you have a shit personality and you hate yourself and you are miserable, like you're going to be ugly no matter what, like you can be j-lo beautiful and still be hideous once people get to know you so and i've seen that in people that i've i've seen that in myself <laughs> like yeah and in yeah. myself yeah yeah like i mean i i i was actually i i've been thinking 
as, as one does when you start doing therapy, I'm like, oh, like now my body's kind of like settling into like remembering things. I was like, this is a wild (laughs) ride, but my, so senior year, we made t-shirts for the senior cheerleaders and every year the seniors did this. And so it was like seniors, 22, I almost said 2013. God, I wish 2003 (laughs) (laughs) was like 2013 seniors, 2003. And my nickname was Sid vicious. And I was like, I don't, I don't remember being nasty. So I don't know if it was a joke, like, because I'm so kind that people call me Sid Vicious or if I was just like a raging bitch. But like the fact that I don't remember is problematic. And it's one of those things where I'm just like, how in the world, like, what, what do we do? And where do we learn these things? And like, why, what, it's no wonder that I had like so much self-esteem issues. Like if I call, regardless of how I behaved and what earned me that nickname, like I, I went with it and I put it on a t-shirt. So like the stories that I was telling myself in that period of my life, I was like, well, no wonder I felt like I was not a nice person. Like I've seen the ugliness within myself. And I think we all have that. And I think to say that you don't means that you're full of shit. (laughs) Amen. So where can people find you? So we, you are graciously offering the Hiking My Feelings community 15% off um, for their purchases at shareloveeverywhere.com with the code HMF, like Hiking My Feelings, 1515. Um, where can people find you? What are you working on now? Um, what's coming up for you this year that you're excited about? Uh, the parties at Share Love Everywhere on Instagram, <laughs> shareloveeverywhere.com um, is the website. Um, what am I working on? I'm writing a book. I'm telling, I'm telling people like this officially, um, because I figure at least that gives me some accountability at some point. So yeah, writing a book. Um, what else am I looking forward to? I just really love my job. I just really love my job. And I'm looking forward to summer with my kids because I get one week on and one week off all summer long. So yay for Ashley time. Yeah. It's going to be a game changer. So yeah, I'm just happy to be alive. <laughs> yes. Oh, that's so great. Um, so anybody on Zoom, if you have questions, comments, if you want to chat with Ashley, go ahead and pop on your camera and we'll see what's going on here. I know we got some lovely uh, ladies in the audience here. Hi, sweets. How are you? Hi. Hi. Hi, uh, hi Ashley. Hi, Sydney. Sorry, I just I popped on a little soon. I wasn't quite there. Uh, my my furball might make a guest appearance too she usually does um so nice to meet you and hear about you Ashley I didn't do any homework so it was like coming in coming in cold and I'm really excited to find out more about the um the notes that's like so sweet because you know I've been paint you know the little painted rocks and stuff I've been finding them all over that type of thing is sort of a similar vain but like this sweeping organized way that you're doing this and how many how many rock how many notes how many um, levels? 28,000 but I forgot to mention we partnered with Reebok and they put 200,000 of them in their sneaker boxes for International <laughs> Women's Day two years ago so it's really 228,000 but I didn't do the stamping of the 200,000 myself so I don't really count them as official since I didn't do that but yeah there's been there's been quite a few out there <laughs> that's that amazing. Is so cool <laughs> and like I don't live that far from did you say Idaho or Ohio 
Um, well, I'm from Ohio. I said Idaho because we don't have cards in, in I Idaho. I don't live very far from Idaho. So I'm going to need to get some cards because I'm about to do a road trip. And I can at least like dip my toe into Boise or something. That'd be amazing. <laughs> You're the hero so I, I want to uh, just, you know, I, I uh, held back some emotions around your story. I think that uh, every time I come to campfire, I um, connect in some way with somebody's story. And so in this way, we create this sort of oral tradition of healing. And I like really, I, I, some of your experiences really resonate with me, especially um, not to be too demeaning to uh, ex-husbands that are, I don't know, I hate to say it, but, you know, taking care of man children, I relate. And, um, you know, like, that's like really brave of you to be very explicit about and about how that went down for you. And um, thank you so much, because it reaches people when you share your story, it reaches people and it helps other people heal and it helps other people be strong. So thank you so much for that. Lots of love. I can't wait to learn more about you. Thanks so much. I can't wait to connect with you more. I hope that you'll follow us and then I can see more of your life when I follow you back if you're on Instagram. Oh, for sure. I'm, I need to get a little more Instagrammy. I spend a lot of time camping, hiking out and I have an RV and I spend a lot of time foraging and walking beaches. Like I spend a lot of time in the, in, in the real world. <laughs> I don't know. And so like uh, this last year has been a little bit challenging for me to come here and be uh, in the Zoom calls and even like like get it together on Instagram so other people can see what I'm doing because it's not really the realm that I thrive in. But I will get better because I know that in that way I can connect with people too and I have stuff to share that's important too. So yeah, we'll get there. Awesome. And, and, Yay! And, and hiking my feelings, you know, you can always like be over there with us and, and uh, pop in and, uh, you know, do some like shares over there too. Yeah. Yes. Awesome. Thank Thanks you. Sweets. So Fantastic. Well, thank you, Ashley, so much for joining us. I hope that we get to go on more adventures soon. It was such a treat um, spending time with you and Cassie and Joshua Tree. Yeah. I love um, every second of that retreat. I'm <laughs> sort of jealous that she's on her way to you right now. So. Yeah. Well, I'll, I'll give, I'll give a hug to send back, uh, to Nashville when we, when we depart, but, um, thank you for everything you do. Let's go change the world and make some, uh, hiking my feelings like summit share love everywhere cards. I think that'd be dope. It's a must. Okay. Happening. So good. Thank you thank for being you so here. much for having me. This of was so course. fun. Yes, of course. Thank you. We appreciate you, uh, trusting us with your story and for sharing it so other people can hear it and, hear some of their story in it. Cause I firmly believe that talking about the hard stuff is what gets us through it and makes it a little bit easier for people to get through life. So thank you for being part of this. Well, I'm grateful for the work you guys are doing. And I keep meaning to tell you, I need to log my own hours cause I'm out here walking and I have it logged for you guys, but let's do it. I have some walking coming to you. So <laughs> fantastic. We'll to your list. <laughs> yes. Awesome. Well, thank you, Ashley. And, um, have a wonderful rest of your evening. You too. Thanks so much. All right. So up next, Mr. Williams, come on down. <laughs> oh, guys, get psyched. Fairy's oh, here. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. Look Fairy's out. here. Watch out. It's a good time. Everybody's partying. 
Uh, here, do you want an ear so you can do hear? Do I need it? I don't know. Do you want to hear? I don't think I need to. Do you want to hear people? Well, if they start talking, maybe. Oh, okay. I well, I guess not. That's fine. I suppose it's so, just me and you. It's just me and I you. I can hear you fine. Okay. Let's see. <laughs> can, if, uh, and people in the chat, can you hear Barry talking? <laughs> I would think so. I would think so. So we, um, we have quite a few things. I made a list because we've got quite a few things to talk about. Talk to me. First of all, I want to hear about, uh, Professor Barry. Well, can I just talk about what Ashley's story is? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. I mean, thanks for sharing. And I was sitting there thinking to myself, I'm like, what's it with men and sneakers? And then I was like, <laughs> but I got these things. <laughs> I'm like, what? I mean, I normally don't really care about sneakers, but these are like the take high diabetes blue. And I'm pretty excited about them. So I don't know, maybe there is something to it, but <laughs> I don't know. That's, that's, uh, I don't know. For a dude that's not a sneaker head, <laughs> yeah. it is pretty exciting to yeah. see you get so stoked about shoes. Um, so we ha- talk to me a little bit about, uh, your, your classroom yes for the summit circle so we talk about um just kind of hiking safety safety backpacking trip planning how not to get mauled by lions and bears and tigers uh sasquatches leave no trace believe no trace how to poop you know <laughs> how to poop how to poop outside yeah yeah uh you know shout out to that. taylor and thor yeah <laughs> how to poop correctly yeah you know takes practice yeah and so what's what has it been like because so we met um when you were teaching skydiving mm-hmm. and for anybody that did not have the pleasure of being one of barry's skydiving students uh barry is excellent at teaching and i'm not just saying that because i married him he's a really good teacher so what's it been like to get back into a teaching kind of thing uh i mean it, it's 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 interesting it's just like a different page you know yeah it's a different topic so it's like it's something that i've always done but i've never really taught it so it's kind of interesting to wrap my head around so you know i don't you know i don't see it as any real different but i don't know maybe we want to talk to to uh uh mary and sweets and the people that have been <laughs> that have been in it yeah maybe, maybe they can testify about it but yeah I don't know. we'll see how it is on their end not you know i'm doing just fine as far as i'm concerned <laughs> oh barry's crushing it so it's good yeah um okay so what if people are out there listening and they're like what's the summit circle about why should i sign up why should they come to the monday meetings with barry williams prime example so we went and hiked to three sisters on monday um this is a good story yeah so (laughs) so we left the ranch at about seven because i'm i'm not going to three sisters because it's so overcrowded and it's chaos. So we usually want to be like one of the first people there. So we left, you know, just after the sun came up. And so we're almost to the trailhead and we see this, this gray Mustang drive by and there was two women in it. They drive by, didn't think anything of it. We get to the trailhead. I noticed they're not even parked at the trailhead. They're parked outside the trailhead, even though it was wide open and there was nobody else in the parking lot. So I'm like, Okay, directionally challenged from the get, right? So, so we 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 started hiking and we noticed them actually. So there's the trailhead splits into two um, two trails. One goes to Eagle Peak, and then one that goes to the left that goes down to Three Sisters. So we noticed these two women heading up the Eagle Peak Trail, and they're cackling. 
<laughs> so loud. It was, I mean, they were a good maybe three quarters of a mile away, I would guess. Yeah. Like and little we, specks we on could them. hear them just, I was like, I don't know what kind of drugs they took, but it's like 8.15 in the morning. I'm like, whatever they took, it was aggressive for that hour. Because <laughs> they were just like cackling like they were out of their minds. So having a palal, I mean, great. Hiking supposed to be fun, but... <laughs> keep it down to a dull roar maybe so uh, i'm kind of already thinking to myself i'm like i have a feeling they don't know where they're going and i can tell just from the distance that they didn't have any i didn't see any backpacks on no. them i didn't see them carrying anything uh no water no nothing and apparently obviously not a well we'll i don't want to spoil it later <laughs> so we go down we continue our hike they continue their hike um and we so we're kind of halfway down to the three sisters and we notice that they're actually paying attention to us. They're watching where we're going and they're probably a mile and a half away at this point. They're just little specks, but we can tell that they're not on the trail and they're off the trail and they're trying to go from point A to point B, which doesn't exist. And it's thick chaparral and just thorny stuff and just really, really horrible time uh, to be walking uh, through that area. So we continue. We go down to Three Sisters. We have a lovely breakfast. We, you have your tea. We have some snacks. We have light conversation, <laughs> and uh, you beautiful know, beautiful waterfalls. Yep, and, gushing. Yeah, yeah, yeah oozing. Um, so we were down there for what, maybe a half hour. Probably about that. Yeah. All right. So we're down there for a half hour. We turn back around, and um, now we're maybe you know, a mile and a half back up the trail and we still, and then we, we still see them where they're at. They haven't really moved very far, if at all. So they start yelling like, Hey, we're lost. And I'm like, no kidding. (laughs) (laughs) Right. So, so I'm like, we're like yelling, like full on yelling. I mean, we're across, I mean, there was was a, a canyon, it was a canyon. So, you know, there was, you know, direct line of, uh, audible, sound i guess but so uh they're like we're lost what do we do and i'm like oh well i mean one option was to go back up where they came but they were so far away from the trail that and they had been off it for a good almost an hour and i didn't think that they'd probably be able to find out where they actually came from chances are that wasn't going to happen so the other option is they continue going down the canyon into the um, the actual canyon part itself where the wash is, which is like really thick trees and brush. And like, you don't want to go through there. <clears throat> and the other option is I was like, all right, well, I'm going to move over here to uh, on the side here. And then you, you know, walk towards my voice and like, just keep heading this way. You'll run right into the trail after traversing some really gnarly stuff, but that's probably gonna be the easiest way for them to, to get back. So we had a moral dilemma on a side note. We're like, should we help them? And I'm like, well, it's not going to be hot enough where they're going to die. Um, but I have a feeling the ride back home is going to be hashtag hiking sucks. <laughs> and there's going to be a lot of finger pointing. So I wasn't really that concerned about it because it was a very well-trafficked trail. As again, it is one of the most popular trails in San Diego. So, And they were within sight of the trail. They could hear people. I wasn't that worried about it. If it was hotter and there was other circumstances, I probably would have considered dealing with it but i figured this would be a good learning opportunity for them so we continue along with our hike we make it up and we are out and then we continue to go back to the ranch which is uh, another f- five miles 
And then we, you know, we stop at our favorite swimming hole. We go for a swim. We spend about 45 minutes there. Yeah, we're there for a good 45 minutes to an hour. Yeah, chilling and just really enjoying ourselves. Last hike in San Diego before we hit the road. And then we get back out. So now we're talking several hours uh, to the point where we're now back on the road and getting back to the ranch. Guess who comes driving by? The gray Mustang. These two, and we're waving. We're like, <laughs> hey, how you doing? Hey, you, know? you made it. Um, but yeah, the look on their faces, uh, they were not happy. But I would love to have been in that car because I bet you there's a ton of finger pointing. So to answer your question, why you should join the Sunday Circle and join me on Mondays at 530 Pacific Standard Time is uh, so you don't have to have a long, bloody, scrapey, thirsty ride home in a gray mustang <laughs> hashtag hiking sucks hashtag hiking sucks well and i think to your point about the moral dilemma that was my question because like we stood there and they were like not moving like they were moving but they were not covering any ground because it was so thick mm-hmm. and it was so like sketchy the way like they were like going down a really steep side of this mountain and so when as as somebody who is trained as a wilderness emt as somebody who has spent a lot of time in the outdoors, you kind of touched on like why we continue to move forward. But my question was like, where does our responsibility lie with this? And like my, my first instinct was like, if I was in this situation, how would I, like, what would I want? And I was telling K-Bong, I was like, I'd want someone to come save me, but also I wouldn't be in this position. So like for other people that might be in a similar scenario, what's the line? Like, when do you when when does your responsibility to fellow stranded traveler stranded not stranded they were moving in the right direction but like what what's the line is there one or is it all, well, always situational? I, I mean i think it's different for everybody uh and there's you know there's certain states where if you are a licensed medical professional you are required not every state has that rule there's good samaritan laws but some don't actually apply in certain states so you know, some states you're required, some t- states, most medical professionals will not do anything unless they're actually in physical danger. I did not think that they were in physical danger. I Due think it was cackling. more emotional danger right. than anything else. <laughs> but I mean, I mean, because it, it was the high was supposed to be 68 degrees. Yeah. Um, there is no shade, but it was early enough in the morning and there was plenty other people around. Yeah. So they weren't, they weren't, they were going to be okay. If yeah. I, if I genuinely thought it would have been a problem, if that would have happened two months from now, that would have been a problem. Yeah. So there are two helipads on that trail for a reason. Yeah. Cause every time we actually go down three sisters, it's like, there's a dude carrying a six pack of white claws at like nine in the morning. <laughs> I don't know what it is. Bumping about sick beats. I don't know what it is about people drinking white claws on a trail where you could die, but okay. Yep. So our next, my next, uh, so everybody should join the summit circle and everybody should come plan, uh, and learn about safety with you. Cause ha- hashtag hiking does not suck. Hiking does not suck. Hiking is fun when done properly, when done properly and safely. Yeah. Um, and what's the most important piece of equipment that you bring in the outdoors, Barry, your brain. That's right. So come get your brain tuned up with Barry on Mondays. Yeah. <laughs> um, so my next one is, uh, we're going on tour. Yes, we are. Well, I guess technically we are on tour because we're not at the ranch. So um, I have been hesitant to get excited while you've been in excited land 
all by yourself on this island of being excited. Yeah, well, for now, a while. now I'm in stressed land because <laughs> now we're on the road. Now it's time for me to really kind of be stressed. God. But anyway, I was guarding my heart a little bit because I didn't want to get too excited because last time I got too excited, COVID happened. So I was like, if my excitement causes a worldwide pandemic, I should probably tamp it down. Of course, that's not rational thinking, but I've been a little bit hesitant to get pumped about this. If you rub this coaster, everything's going to be okay. There you go. All, All right, right, cool. So, but one thing that you said the other day, we've been on kind of a hot streak here. We're winning grants. We're getting sponsors for the Take a Hike Diabetes campaign. We're working with really awesome organizations in Chicago and Michigan and DC and everything's just really clicking into place. Like we've been busting our humps for almost three years to get this organization mm -hmm. to where it's at today. And you turned to me, we were driving and you turned to me and you're like, what else could go right? How did you know that that's exactly what I needed to hear? It's my job to know that. <laughs> that's why I'm the tour manager and chief wizard. <laughs> so, okay. But I think, and I wrote about this um, earlier this week, and I think I shared it in the newsletter last week, but like the, the transition and the reframe of like, what, what else could possibly go wrong? Like how many times, if I had a dollar for every time I've said that in my life, I'd be a rich woman, but I don't. So I'm not. But when you ask yourself, what, what is happening? Sorry, we are uh, house people and with house people comes neighbors. This is not something we experience in the wilderness and we are being serenaded by our backdoor neighbors. Um, anywho, what else could go right? Like, is this a thing that you've always said and I just never heard you say it or is, or is it like a sporadic accident or was that a divinely timed message? Like what happened? All of that. Okay. Yeah. Neat. Well. You're a Williams now. Yeah. Everything just works out. Everything's going to be okay. Yeah. I've been telling you that forever. But... So why are you stressed out? Well, it's just, you know, we, we got to be at certain places at a certain time. We got to get to where we need to be from point A to point B. I can't just go, you know, running off the road in the van. Because you do that all the time. Right. Yeah. Well, so every once in a while, I'll go like, oh, remember that one time I went like wrong way and <laughs> one way thing? <laughs> yeah, that yeah. was fun. Yeah. Oh. So there's that. Yeah. You know. Um, but no, I'm actually looking forward to it because we have been working so hard to put this together and there's some, still some logistics and things that need to get handled, but now we actually get to go walk yeah. for extended periods of time. Yeah. So once we're out there, it's going to be hopefully on autopilot. Absolutely. We've been working really hard and that was the goal was to just like do all the work up front so we can go just execute and not be mm -hmm. doing stuff. And I guess that's kind of how life works. So the Catalina retreat's happening. We're doing it this weekend. It starts tomorrow. Yep. yep. Thoughts? I'm not going to say what's going to happen, but it's going to be epic. Yeah. Because word on the street, and I'm not going to say who, but we got another very special guest in attendance. Yeah. And I'm not saying who. Yeah. And you're not saying who. I'm not saying who. So if you're going on this retreat, buckle up. Buckle up. Get ready. You don't even know. Yeah. So yeah, I'm really looking forward to it because the weather's supposed to be great, uh, like 70 degrees and like low of like. High 70, low of like 50. Yeah. Good sleeping temperatures, good hiking temperatures, yeah. uh, sun. Um, we get an extra long boat ride on the way back, maybe. Maybe, yep. Um, and we got like uh, Beyond Meat. Yep, Beyond Meat is supplying us. us lunch tomorrow. Yeah, so Beyond Meat sponsoring lunch. Um, the folks at Mirror Energy. Mirror Energy is, uh, could you grab me one of those packets? I want to show people this. So uh, I was looking for San Diego-based companies to to chat with and get, um, partner up with because it like within the last 
well, frankly, since we met Craig um, at Muffin But Good Vibes, I like came to the realization that we're a local San Diego nonprofit. Like I know this, but because we're based there, but we're like always on the road. Um, I'll just take any well, of them. Well, I'm trying to find the one with the mate. Oh. Oh, like one of the caffeinated ones? Yeah. Yeah. So this is Mira Energy. If you're watching the podcast, it's all natural. It's like goo gel, but it's made with real food. So this one has four ingredients. This is the red raspberry. It's got red raspberry, raw coconut palm nectar, black strap molasses, and pink Himalayan salt. It's vegan, organic, pale paleo. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's funny. Paleo, gluten-free, non-GMO. Paleo is like Kaleo, but yeah. it's not. It's like caveman. Um, but so I reached out to these guys and they just like sent us a bunch of these packets. So um, I, since I had the opportunity to interview Melissa Urban and um, Stephanie Greenkey from Whole30, and we were talking about um, blood sugar management and natural ways to raise your blood sugar levels, um, versus just like sucking on candies or chugging sugar drinks or whatever. Um, I carry applesauce in my bag now, but I was also looking for something like a, like a gel, um, that would be a little bit more real food based. And so now we've got it. And so we're really excited to try these guys out. So mirror energy, um, is, is hooked us up with some packets. We've got, um, some sweet uh, trail journals. We've got some Ross chocolates bars that we're sharing with people. But yeah, we just got like this awesome little goodie bag. Yeah, I, I'm just really psyched about it. And it's finally happening. And I was telling um, Mary when we were hiking on Monday, Mary is part of our community and she's absolutely epic. And she's been doing this really monster hike from the ranch with us like all, like as much as possible in 2021. And I was thinking, I was like, I don't remember where I was going with this. See, this is what happens when I explain relationships that don't need to be explained. Um, I completely lost my train of thought, but it'll come back to me and I'll wake up at two in the morning and remember this story. So there's that. Oh, so I have that to look forward to. Yep, you do. I'll just wake up and be like, let's go edit the podcast and I'll add my thing. So <laughs> geez, it's been a rough day mostly because I'm so excited and my brain doesn't function when I'm this excited. So the retreat's finally happening. We're psyched about it. Um, I got good energy gel. My God, I wish I remember what I was talking to Mary about, but I don't. So what is the take a hike diabetes tour and how can you get involved? Barry, what is the take a hike diabetes tour? Oh, you're going to put, I, what? What is it? Where are we going? Oh, so we're, well, geez. Suppose we're technically starting the, portion of it is in chicago we're doing 220 miles around the city of chicago yep and that's in partnership with the chicago outer belt alliance yeah and which is going to be awesome we start at uh buckingham fountain yep and we get to go all the way down and around clockwise yep and we get to camp some really rad places that people aren't allowed to camp yep so that's well, that cool. people are allowed to camp because this trail exists now, but yeah, but it's not like Steelworkers Park, right? But so, okay, right? Yeah, that's fair. that's pretty cool. That is pretty cool. Yeah. Okay, well, I mean, we're going to be camping at some camps, yeah, that are some normal camps, but some right. of them we like, psh, yeah, like VIP VIPs, VIP stuff, right? Yeah, VIP. Right. Okay, so Chicago out about two hundred twenty miles around the city of Chicago. Most of the trail is accessible via public transportation. 
And it, the Outer Belt Alliance was founded by our buddy Jay Reddy, mm-hmm. and it connects existing pedestrian walkways, trail systems, green spaces, and some of the Chicago um, Parks District and the Cook County Forest Preserves land. Um, Jay started by walking, so he lives in the south suburbs um, of Chicago, and he w- started walking, and he kept walking further and further and further and realized that like he could get from where he was to the lake without ever getting out of natural spaces. And so that's kind of how he started piecing this together, this trail. And so we're really excited to join the Chicago Outer Belt for their annual through hike of the trail. Um, This was the big hike that we were supposed to do last year that got postponed because of COVID. And just like this retreat, it's one of those things like last year would have been cool and we would have had a really awesome time, but it's going to be so much better this year than it could have possibly been last year because like take a hike diabetes is a thing we get to invite local community members to come hike and heal with us and you know experience the healing power of nature in the city where they work live and play um and then so that's june 1st through the 20th so shout out to all our chicago area friends and family that's where barry and i met um come hike with us it's gonna be dope we're there the first through the 20th and then where are we headed michigan michigan yeah, we're hiking from Lake Lake Michigan to the other lakes, the other lake Huron. I, no, not Huron. Erie. No. Saint Clair. No. We're hiking from Lake Michigan <laughs> yeah, to Detroit. Yeah, yeah. Whatever that one. On the Lake to Lake Trail, and this this adventure is in partnership with the Michigan Trails and Greenways Alliance, who is creating five different trails that connect the different lakes. Yeah. So it's called the Lake to Lake Trail System. We're going to be taking the majority of Lake to Lake trail number one, and then we're connecting with the Iron Bell trail that will take us down into Detroit. So we are really psyched about this one. This is July 1st through the 17th. That one is about 270 miles across the state of Michigan. Um, And then what are we doing after that? Well, we're waiting on some stuff. Yeah. We had some possible plans. Those didn't happen. So we, I don't want to say. Okay. I don't want to say. We're going to make that a surprise. Yeah. So August, late July, August is a surprise. But our final planned stop as of right now, and this is the other thing. When we left for the tour in 2019, the only stuff that we actually had planned was through August in Montana. And then we booked our route around the rest of the country as we were going up the West Coast of the United States. So as of right now... September, Washington, D.C. That's our last planned event for the Take a Hike Diabetes Tour. If more happens, I'm not going to be mad about it. Um, But that one's in partnership with the Capital Trails Coalition. And that organization manages more than 400 miles of trails around the Washington, D.C. metro area. So um, we are really psyched to go take a walk around D.C. Hopefully go do a little for Joe and Kamala and be like, hey, let's talk about diabetes. Or anybody else that wants to listen. We may be getting a VIP tour of the White House. I'm sorry, what? Yeah. Oh, we have a friend whose name we can't mention, whose relative that we probably shouldn't describe works for Secret <laughs> Service. So that would At be At the cool. White House. That would be dope. He's like, oh, you're going to Washington? Would you like a private tour of the White House? Why, yes, I would. Why, yes, I would. Has it been deloused? <laughs> yeah. Fine. <laughs> Count me in. Here for it. So that's the, that's the gist of the tour right now. And the whole plan... And the whole purpose of this is 
and the inspiration behind it was one, I live with type two diabetes. Um, hiking helped me heal my mind and body and is hiking is the primary function of my diabetes management protocol that, and like eating, eating well, but let's be honest, I hike so I can eat. And that was a fun topic of discussion. K-Bong, we were hiking on Monday. K-Bong's like, you know what I love about hiking? Snacks. I was like, yeah, dude, me too. That's why I hike so I can eat. Cause otherwise I'd have to eat like a rabbit so I can manage diabetes. But when I hike six to 10 hours a day, I can eat whatever I want for the most part. You can just bathe in mirror energy. I can just pour it, pour some mirror energy on me. Um, just ice myself like a cake with this stuff. It's going to be great. Mm, That's gross. Strudel. Toaster, yeah. <laughs> um, nothing. I just, the visual is horrific. Um, but <laughs> so I am, uh, what are we talking about? Snacks. I, don't know. I see you're getting too focused on this mirror energy thing. Are you losing I your keep, train of thought? Keep losing it. Yeah. It's a mess. Um, but no, so we're, we're doing this. Oh, I live with diabetes. That's why we're doing this tour. <laughs> Here we go. Back on Focus, the train. Williams. I'm here. Uh, but the whole idea was I hiking helped me connect the dots between trauma that I experienced earlier in my life, how that had manifested into unhealthy coping mechanisms and how those unhealthy coping mechanisms surely contributed to my diagnosis of type two diabetes. So in my mind, if everybody has access to the outdoors and feels safe and represented and welcome and aware of the opportunities to recreate and spend time in nature, then community health should improve, at least from a diabetes perspective. Um, so of course it's not that simple and there is a lot of nuance to it, but one of the things that we heard on the road, um, from people that we met and from online conversations between tour stops on our 2019 tour was that there are a lot of people that don't feel safe or welcome or represented in the outdoors. And most of those folks are black or indigenous people of color, LGBTQ community, um, people with different abilities, people in different body types. Like a lot of folks feel invisible and unwelcome and not represented in the outdoor space as far as like advertising and the sizes of clothes that are available and just where to go buy clothes if there's even a store in their neighborhood um, or other like barriers to entry with equipment, et cetera, et cetera. And when we were doing research about diabetes in America, the folks that don't feel safe, welcome or represented in the outdoors also come from communities that have the highest prevalence of diabetes. And so in my mind, I'm a dot connector. I'm like, all right, cool. So if we can get these folks feeling awesome outside, then hopefully community health could improve as well. And this really ties into the initiatives to rewild um, urban environments and introduce more green spaces to connect um, existing pedestrian walkways and trail systems and um, like forest preserves and stuff like what they're doing in Chicago and in Cook County. And it just makes sense. So that's what we're doing. That's why we're doing it. Um, and so along the way, while we connect the dots on diabetes, we'll be interviewing um, the people who are working to make the outdoors more inclusive and the people that are supporting the local diabetes community. And sometimes those people overlap, sometimes they don't, but more often than not, um, these conversations so far have been absolutely incredible. We talked to Jamaica Dawes from Slim Pickens Outfitters um, a few weeks ago on the virtual campfire about the relationship between trauma and diabetes and how their store and their community is, is improving the health of their community. Um, we also talked with Becky Marcelliano from Solomon about their internal initiatives and the, the interweaving of 
inclusion efforts and sustainability and how their commitment to DEI and inclusivity is driving product development. Um, and UST is doing some incredible sponsorship programs. They um, work with Vibe Tribe Adventures, who has a outdoor education program called Black 14er, and it's um, supporting um, a local hiker in Colorado who is looking to summit all 58 named 14ers. Um, and a 14er, for folks that might not know, is a peak that is named that is over 14,000 feet above sea level. Um, and giving them the equipment that they need to go make this mission happen to increase representation of mountaineers um, that are not just fit white dudes from Boulder. So we've got a lot of cool partners that are a part of this. We're excited to talk with policymakers and folks that are amplifying um, or folks that are and amplify the work that is being done in this space because there are so many great organizations and individuals and brands and um, just families and friends that are that are really trying to make the outdoors more inclusive for everybody. And so we really want to highlight the work that they're doing um, and make sure that anybody who's interested in getting outdoors knows that there are these communities that are um, being created to facilitate that. So um, the Take a Hike Diabetes Tour starts in June. Uh, technically, it starts now. We're, we're working with um, Eric Dowds from Diet Badass, and he's going to be on the show next week. So we have a really cool announcement for a giveaway that we're doing that'll um, run next week through the middle of April. And then we're going to be joining Mike Joyce, who we interviewed last year um, during the November Take a Hike Diabetes campaign um, about living with type one and doing long distance hiking. He's setting out on the Continental Divide Trail this year, which is a, more than 3000 miles. And that spans from Mexico to Canada going through New Mexico and Colorado and Montana and some other other states, I think. Do you know where the CDT goes? North to south, south to north. North to south, south to north. Perfect. But yeah, so Mike's hiking that. We're going to talk about how to how to manage diabetes on the trail, um, what kind of insulin he uses to be able to have um, a long distance outdoor backpacking experience. I guess you probably wouldn't backpack indoors. I don't know why I said outdoor backpacking, but that's okay. Um, yeah, so that's the, the campaign. What am I missing? Any other updates? It's March, end of March. You got a new Healthline article coming out. Yep, got a new Healthline article coming out that's highlighting some of the um, organizations and brands that are making the outdoors more inclusive, talking about the problems with inclusivity um, in the outdoor space and what these different individuals and organizations are doing to make that better and to solve those problems. So that's your fifth article with them? Yes. So that means that classifies you as a journalist. I think so. Yeah. So that means I can get you a hat with one of those little stickers in it. Wait, this, press. Is that, oh, is that, oh, is that the thing with the spinny? No, no, no. Oh. Like, you know, the old school ones where oh. they like, they get a rush to the telephone booth and they go like, I got a scoop. Yeah. And you got like a hat that says press. press. Okay. Yeah. I'll take one of those. All right. That sounds awesome. Yeah. Anything else? Fine. Parting thoughts, things you like to well, talk about? Well, I just want to say yeah. that everybody lost their mind when Oprah interviewed the two rich people. And two rich people. Oh, Harry and Meghan? Right. Okay. All right. So uh, they, they lost their mind because Oprah didn't use any notes. And yeah. I'm thinking to myself, I watch you do these interviews and you don't <laughs> use any notes. Maybe I should. I'm a little scatterbrained today. <laughs> 
Well, that's what happens when I get on. You yeah, know, you I start just, losing your train of yeah, thought. Yeah, well, when you're on well, you. when you're so handsome, I just can't help it. <laughs> but I mean, I'm like, uh, Cindy doesn't use notes, and I, I'm impressed. I mean, but you know, I don't go, you know, losing my mind over it. She's yeah. just brilliant. Yeah. Well, maybe I mean, you should follow I, up with the reporters that wrote those stories and be like, "Hi, my wife hosts this show." <laughs> She doesn't use notes either. Yeah, just so you know. So when Oprah retires, yeah, you can take over Harpo Productions. No, I mine would be Yendis. Yendis. Harpo is Oprah backwards. Oh, Yendis right, is Sydney uh, yeah, backwards. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. Well, that's cool. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. <laughs> I don't want to be Oprah. I want to be Sydney. Yeah. That's yeah. Okay. <laughs> All right, let's do a gratitude circle for the folks that are on Zoom. Pop on your cameras. Let's say hello, and we'll uh, we'll make stuff happen here. This has been a hoot of a time. Thanks for participating. Hi, Mary. Hi, Lydia. Yay. Hi, sweets. What's happening? Happy days. Well, I'll start. Um, I am so grateful for the hiking my... Oh, here we go. Mom do this remute let's just do that real quick okay so um i'm thankful <laughs> i'm <laughs> i'm thankful for uh the opportunity to do this work to have just wrapped up the second class of blaze your trail to self-love um doing that program and facilitating that space is one of the highlights of my life um i would say it's like the highlights of my year but like it's it's just, it really is such a gift to be able to, to hold that space and witness so much cool growth and get to know awesome people like sweets. Um, and I'm thankful for you mm -hmm. for, uh, being my partner in crime and adventure buddy for life. So we can make the world a better place and hit the road and do it safely. What are you thankful for? I am thankful for a couple of small things other than you, of course. Uh, having a valid driver's license. Yes, we did it. <laughs> I had been dealing with the California DMV since end of December. And I finally got it like two days before we actually hit the road. So, um, so I'm pretty pumped about that. Uh, what was the other thing? Small things. Yeah, there was another small thing. Um, happy that uh, Ruby's taken care of. Thank you, Jason. Yes, thank you, Jason, for giving Ruby a facelift or and, new uh, shoes. Yeah. yeah. And uh, yeah, I can't remember the other thing. Oh, speaking of new shoes, yeah. Yeah. New shoes. These are Barry. Barry's yeah. diabetes blue shoes. He's really psyched about them. Yeah. They're going to be making an appearance this weekend. Catalina, because we're having the retreat and it's actually happening. Hey, oh, that's what I was going to say. Now I remember, and I'm going to say it now. So I was talking to Mary and I was saying, I've only ever been either two weeks or like six months away from this retreat happening. And now it's actually here. Like it was either really far away or about to be postponed. And now it is coming. Tomorrow is the day and I'm so excited. And I'm so glad I don't have to wake up at two in the morning and remember that and wake you up. Yeah, me too. All I'm right. very grateful for that. <laughs> Next. Mary, what are you thankful for? Thank you for joining us around the virtual campfire. Sometimes we talk about heavy topics, sometimes we tell poop stories, but regardless of what we've discussed, we always like to end the show on a high note. At the end of our live broadcasts, we invite our community to share what they're grateful for in a segment called the Group Gratitude Circle. Every week, I'm thankful for you. Thank you for taking time out of your busy life to connect with us and witness these stories of hope, healing, 
and inspiration in the outdoors. If you'd like to gather with us around the campfire live each week, join the Hiking My Feelings virtual campfire VIPs. If this were a legit talk show, you'd be sitting in our studio audience. We haven't been picked up by a major network yet, so for now, we gather on Zoom. Here, you can connect with the community before and after the broadcast, hang out for sound check when we have musical guests, participate in the Q&A, join in on the group gratitude circle, and be eligible to receive prizes and gifts from our sponsors, partners, and guests. Learn more and join us at hikingmyfeelings.org campfire. Don't forget to leave a review, subscribe, and share this episode with your friends, family, colleagues, and anyone else who could use a dose of community and connection. Follow us on Instagram, we're at hikingmyfeelings, and you can tag your journey with hashtag hikingmyfeelings. And if you're picking up what we're putting down and you want to be part of this movement, join the Hiking My Feelings family at family.hikingmyfeelings.org. In case nobody told you lately, you are a brilliant human who is destined to do epic things in this world. Join us next week for more stories of hope, healing, and inspiration in the outdoors. Until then, happy trails!